Well, good morning. My name is David Peterson. I have the privilege of serving here at Ingleside as the discipleship pastor. And today it is my joy uh, to lead us into God's word. And I am so, so thankful to be opening God's word in the context of men and women who have led us to worship so wonderfully. Aren't you thankful for that? As we gather each Sunday. Let me add to my welcome today, uh, also to those who are joining us online or on TV. We're thankful that you've joined us. Uh, we're excited to study through God's Word. I hope that you'll have your copy of God's Word in your hand, your listening guide in front of you to take notes from. And you'll notice from the title of today's sermon that I am continuing through 2 Corinthians with a message entitled, Ambassadors for Christ. Several weeks ago, when I learned that I would have the opportunity to, to speak and learned that our chapter a day would be in 2 Corinthians, I began to read chapters 4 through 11 over and over. I really felt that God led me to this passage, really to one verse. I'm thankful uh, each week that as a church family, we have the opportunity to read God's Word. If you're not already a part of a chapter a day or reading regularly through God's Word, boy, I'd encourage you to start. You'll notice this week we're finishing up 2 Corinthians. And then we'll be starting a new book of God's Word, Matthew, in the middle of the week. But as I was reading through those books, reading through those chapters, reading through those verses, God led me to one verse which I'd love to just focus on today. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It's on your outline. It'll be on the screen in front of you. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now my attention was first captured by that one word ambassador. And I, I began to think through and wonder through, so what does that word actually mean? And so looking it up in the dictionary and there's, there's a, maybe a standard definition, an ambassador is an official envoy a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or own government or sovereign or appointed for a special, often temporary, diplomatic assignment. Well, that's a lot of words for me. It sounds like a pretty important position. The second one, an authorized representative or messenger or an unofficial representative. I put my, wrap my arms around representative, that idea. So as I, as I thought through and studied through, I, I ran across, uh, you know, I don't often come across an official envoy or diplomatic agent, but as I have walked through my seasons of life, perhaps you've gone through this season several, several years ago, my wife, Christy and I walked through that season where we were doing college visits and we would go to the college campus and we'd meet these people, these young men and women, very energetic, very talkative young women and men that would walk backwards and talk about their campus and about all their activities, about all their fun. You've met a, a campus ambassador before? As I was searching online, I came across the, our local Macon Chamber of Commerce has ambassadors. I recognized a few faces on them. I, I, I dove into the world online of brand ambassadors. Those are, those are individuals who in their circle of influence will try to influence others, maybe towards a product. Uh, there's some big names in there. You might think of Michael Jordan and Nike 
as well as individuals who are really not known, at least I didn't recognize many of their names, but I recognized a few of their products. And as I thought about it, I'd seen some of those pictures, some of those, especially through social media, you have brand ambassadors. Well, in that process, I ran across a particular story of one enthusiastic brand representative that I really just found fascinating. In fact, one article I read said that this brand ambassador and this arrangement, this agreement, this partnership was probably second in all of its effectiveness right behind Michael Jordan and Nike. And so I was struck by this. But before I begin, let me ask a quick question, just a poll. How many of you like burgers? Okay, you're, you're in the right place then. You might know that in January of 1995, they invented the burger. No, that's not right. In January of 1995, a guy named Michael Boehm, his co-inventor, Robert Johnson, they applied for a patent. Their patent was for a device for cooking foodstuffs. They described it as a grill. Here's the description. It had a lower angled cooking plate for which the plate was angled to the device's horizontal plane. The upper plate opened and closed and was connected with a floating hinge. The design created a cooking chamber where fat and excess liquid drained off for the cooking surface onto a holding container. Proteins would stay moist during the cooking process. Did you get all that? Yeah, that's not going to sell. So this, this inventor had been tinkering with this idea for some time. And so when he put forth the patent, and then he built a prototype, and then he began to look for companies and he found a company that said, yeah, we'll build this. We think this will work. And, and then they began to look for, is, is there a special way that we could maybe, maybe take this, this foodstuff maker type place type thing? And could we find someone that would speak for it? We need a brand representative. And so somebody knew somebody that knew somebody and, and, and somebody actually knew a, a lawyer, a friend of a, of a, a well-known brand advisor or brand representative. And, they actually sent him a prototype. So he took the prototype and he wasn't much interested in it. And so he looked at it and he put it in the pantry. Didn't do anything with it. About six months later, that same lawyer, that same friend called and said, hey, what do you think about that thing? You think, think there's anything there? And, and so he was on the phone call and he was about to turn down this opportunity. He just wasn't that interested in it. And so as he's on the phone call, his wife, Joan, is in the kitchen and she yells in, hey George, that's a really great grill. We need to look into this. He said, I don't know, it's on an angle. You can't cook on an angle. And so he went out and Joan said, well, well let me cook you a burger. So she cooked burgers. He liked burgers. He liked those burgers. He liked this grill. And so he went back and he called the company and said, all right, I'm in. I'll be in as long as you give me a bunch of these that I can put at my, my different houses and give to people and gifts and I'm in on it. How many of you have ever used a George Foreman grill? It almost didn't happen. You know, but it's quite likely as we look at scripture at the idea of ambassadors for Christ, it's quite likely that the apostle Paul had, had never had a burger or use the George Foreman grill. He didn't know much about campus tours. And so as he was communicating this profound message and the Holy Spirit inspired him to use that word ambassador, he was likely thinking more of that dip diplomatic envoy. 
from the Roman government who would come with authority and power and prestige and communicate the message of the emperor to other countries. He, he selected that word. It's a variation of the word for messenger to illustrate his role and really I think our role within our circle of influence as ambassadors. So two primary questions that I'd love to apply from our text today is first, what does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? What does it mean to be a representative for Christ? To be someone perhaps on a temporary assignment coming with all the authority, the power, the message of Christ to our community. What might it be to be an influencer for Christ? And then the second question, which may be more important, what does it mean to be reconciled to God? Reconciled. Uh, other translations might, might say the, the idea of to make peace with or to be friends with God. So let's look at those two questions. And so if you have your listening guide, let's look verse, first at verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, just a few verses before our, our main verse where, where Paul says this, all this is from God. I want you to see first how much of these verses is, is God-centered. It's first of all, it's God's initiative. He is the one who does the reconciliation. He is the one that takes action. He is the one that comes close to us. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So the first thing I hope that you have seen and perhaps you underline all the places where God is acting, where God is taking action, where God is the subject. But secondly, you would notice that if you underlined or circled all the times reconciliation or reconciled, reconciling, there's two verses, there's four times it's used, that's a signal. There's something important about this idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation or the bringing together the, the bringing together of things that are separated. You will notice that the, the word reconciliation recognizes there is a divide between us and God, between sinful humanity and a holy God. Words used in these verses are like trespass. There's a verse uh, on your outline from Colossians 1 where it says, and you who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, these are graphic words of that divide that's between us and God. So we see God's work, God's reaching hand, we see the divide, and then we see what crosses that divide. We see Christ. Notice all the places that Jesus is mentioned, all the places where Jesus is highlighted. Jesus is, uh, it's through Christ, it's in Christ. You look down and you see his body of flesh. And then fourth, see this idea that this reconciliation applies to you and me. You notice the language that Paul uses. It's very personal. He uses the word us. In verse 19, he used the word world and then immediately to us. In Colossians, it's you, the people who are reading what he is writing, you who are alienated and hostile. And then praise the Lord, you who are holy and blameless. Let me start with this thought, that ambassadors of Christ have been 
reconciled. Ambassadors of Christ have been reconciled, which means they have experienced God's grace and forgiveness, and right in the word, maybe personally. There's something personal about an ambassador. It's something they have experienced. It's something that they have known. You see, this uh, no ambassador is appointed if they haven't experienced their home country. We would hope that brand ambassadors would have at least experienced that product before they says, hey, this is a good deal. Remember, George had to try out the grill before he'd say, I'll use it. Begin with that place of making it personal. Ambassador of Christ, personally. But next, look at that main verse, and let me highlight the, the def, defining characteristics, maybe, of that ambassador. It says, therefore, we are ambassador of Christ. Listen to this phrase, God making his appeal through us. We implore you. That, that's what the ambassador does. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know, there's several, several words that I might could place in that blank. Earlier in the passage, uh, Paul would use the word persuasive. We might could put that word in. You know, an ambassador speaks in obedience, speaks for someone. And so I thought about putting in the word obediently. I think there's the idea of winsomely persuasively, urgently. Uh, in the next verse that I've put on your outline, for, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There's the work of God, the work of Jesus. There's that divide. And much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved for his life, or by his life? More than that, we also rejoice. I thought about putting in the word joyfully. But as I considered how this connected with the idea of ambassadors for Christ, I'd love to make the point that ambassadors of Christ promote reconciliation. They share a message on behalf of God intentionally. Let me, let me think of it this way. Picture with me an ambassador for the United States. Now, I would hope that that ambassador likes America. I would hope they love their country. I would hope that they've experienced life in America and found it good. I would hope that they're good communicators of that message. That, that they would be able to communicate well on the behalf of the country that sends them. I would hope they'd have integrity to take actually that message rather than their own. But at some point, that ambassador has got to move. They've got to pack some bags. They've got to call the travel agent. They've got to make travel arrangements. They've got to get on a plane. They've got to take care of housing. At some point, an ambassador has to move, has to go. I've been through a few moving experiences in my life. I don't want to do that again. This is the, the sacrifice part. This is the intentionality part. This is not just, hey, let's drive down the road. This takes intentionality and thoughtfulness for that ambassador to go. Yes, joyfully. Yes, obediently. Yes, persuasively. Yes, winsomely. And yes, they go in the message of Christ. But there's some intention to it that I think we would learn from. We need to look for, if we are to be ambassadors of Christ, we need to look for those times and places to intentionally share the message of Jesus. Now, this might begin in your home. This might begin if you're in that stage of life where you have children in your home. I hope that you are being intentional in that home setting to lead your children to love the Lord. I'm so thankful as we see baptisms, 
and hear those video testimonies, and so many of them, especially if they are children, they refer to the impact of mom and dad. It may have been something that started that question. It may have been a great ministry moment. It may have been a, a Sunday school teacher or, or a, a, a youth pastor, a high school pastor, but they go talk to mom and dad. Are you intentional about sharing, about being an ambassador of the message of Christ in your home? It expands out. How about with your coworkers? Are you looking intentionally for how you can bring up in conversation the name of Jesus? How about neighbors? How about some strangers that you don't know, that you look for ways to begin to know so that you can begin to share a message with them? You know, it's an intentional step that we can each take. I, I would challenge you in that. This week, how am I going to intentionally move a step closer to being able to share Jesus with someone? I, you may need to pack some bags. You may need to look for a way to go on a trip, but it may also be starting right in your home or your workplace or your school setting. There you can be an ambassador for Christ. Now, let me give you another example. We need, my understanding is, we need some ambassadors of Christ, committed, faithful followers of Christ who will be faithful and available to show up every Sunday morning and teach a fifth grade Sunday school class. We need a few faithful ambassadors who will take the intentional step to talk to a preschool minister and say, how can I serve in preschool ministry? How can I intentionally spread the message of reconciliation? I'd like to be an ambassador. So let me encourage you this week, if God lays that on your heart, reach out to one of those ministry leaders. You know, they're gonna talk to you about being a teacher or a leader, but you and I will know you're an ambassador. Don't tell them, it'll just be between us. <laughs> Take an intentional step to be a part of sharing the message on behalf of God. And let the awesome power of that step in. That God in heaven chose to speak into a family and there were two that baptized this morning on behalf of God. We get the chance to speak. Finally, ambassadors of Christ model reconciliation, transformed into an identity greater than their own. And you could write in this word, victoriously. Victoriously. And then look at the, look at the next verse. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So let's, let's go back and look at that carefully. For our sake, he, for our sake, God, for our sake, God, the Father in heaven made him, made Jesus Christ, made his son, the Savior. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. But Jesus knew no sin. He was perfect. He lived a life of holiness and perfect in everything he did. So he did not deserve to die. But God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Where did that sin come from? It did not come from a holy God. It did not come from his son who lived a perfect life. That sin came from us. As God the Father placed our sin on his son. So that, and this is where it gets good, so that in him, him, 
in Jesus, in Christ, or as our other verses have said, through Christ, in Christ, in his body, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Grasp that transition, grasp that movement from old to new, from death to life, from sinful to righteous, from enemies to friends, from alienated hostile to holy and blameless. The word I thought of was victory. Do you see that word of victory there? That idea of transformation, it's picked up early in this passage where Paul would say simply, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means that we have repented and believed That means we have confessed Jesus as our Savior. Anyone who is in Christ, he is, she is, we are a new creation. Simply put, the old has passed away. The new has come. thought of one more story about an ambassador I'd love to share with you. I heard this on a podcast from Al Mohler recently. To me, it's just a great demonstration of the newness, of the transformation of victory. So on his po- podcast, Elmore highlighted the appointment of Amy Gutmann as the UN, U.S. ambassador to Germany. What's fascinating about her story is that her father, Kurt Gutmann, left Germany, actually fleeing the Nazis in 1934. His country had let him down. His country had cast him out. And so he swore never to set foot in Germany ever again. For the rest of his life, he boycotted German goods and only spoke English to his daughter. Germany, he impressed on her when she was growing up, was very bad. But now, now almost a century later, Ms. Gutmann is a respected democracy scholar She was the president of the University of Pennsylvania, longer than anyone else, was appointed, stepped into the role as the ambassador to Germany. She's moved to Germany. Recently, she traveled to a little town in Bavaria where where generations of her ancestors had lived. She walked by the home that her dad left. She walked by the store that he had grown up going to. She walked into the town square Many of her ancestors had dwelled there before a Nazi mayor had burned down the local synagogue and declared his town to be Jew-free. Speaking to an audience there in that little Bavarian town, from where her father had fled for his life, Ambassador Gutmann said, you'll forgive me for, for speaking not only as the U.S. ambassador to Germany, but as Amy Gutmann the daughter of Kurt Gutmann. At 72 years of age, this ambassador told a crowd of local dignitaries, I would not be here today if it were not for my father's farsightedness and courage. And in front of the people in the town, speaking as the United States ambassador, movingly, she looked at a a little photograph that she held in her hand of her father. And metaphorically, she spoke to her father saying, you would be so proud, not only of your daughter, but of your country, the United States, which became your country. And dad, you might even be proud of the country you had to leave 
because of what they've become now. She went on to say that she thought two of the greatest allies of peace were still fighting what her dad said was a fight that would never end. An ambassador going back, representing her country to speak a message of reconciliation. So with three words, victoriously, intentionally, and personally, I hope to apply, or hope I have applied, those questions of ambassador of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation to our lives. Let me ask, is your life a demonstration of a changed life, transformed by the work of Jesus? Let me ask, do you share that message of reconciliation intentionally, persuasively and compellingly within your circle of influence? Or let me also ask, do you know that reconciliation personally? If not, I, I would implore you, be reconciled. Be reconciled to God in Jesus. Be reconciled to one another. I'm thinking of that story of George and Don Foreman again. And I wondered about that little piece. Wonder if it might be that someone presented you to the gospel a long time ago. Wondering if you might have taken that message of reconciliation, that message of peace, that message of hope, that message of transformation, you might have taken that message and you, you heard it, but, but you didn't feel like that was the time. And you kind of put it in the pantry. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. Can I implore you? Can I encourage you? Maybe in the little words of a video testimony, why would you wait to follow Jesus? Take that message out. Look at it. Examine it. Test it. See if not that message of reconciliation isn't for you. Could it change your life? Some of you may remember the time that George, before George Foreman was a grill salesman. He was actually a boxer. He was the heavyweight champion. At the age of 48, he lost his last fight. On November 22nd, 1997. It was a closely contested fight with many people saying that he had won. But he returned to the locker room a loser. That is, until his attorney came to him with a, a blown up copy of his first royalty check from that grill. <laughs> it was for $1 million. That company would go on to sell $200 million worth of sales the next year. George says, that was one of the happiest days of my business life. I lost my last professional boxing match but he would also say it was his final fight. That boxing was, he would say, 
sort of getting in the way of my business life. How about you? Is it time to give up fighting? And step into the role that God has designed for you. Is it time to take that next step of faith in your spiritual journey towards salvation, towards baptism, towards growing, towards serving, towards going? Is it time for you and I to be the ambassadors of Christ that he meant us to be. Let me pray that for you now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you extend to us grace and forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. And yet you offer to us the opportunity to repent and believe. And then you give us an assignment. God, I pray that you would make very clear in this room, in the next few moments as we sing, Lord, would you speak into our hearts and make clear that next step of obedience that we need to take. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.